Please pray with me. May the good news come to us, loving God, not just in words, but in the transforming power of your spirit. In the name of the risen Christ, amen. When I was teaching at a college in New York in the 1990s, I had a student whom I thought of, based on her appearance and manner, as a party girl. I'm not, I'm not proud of that, but at that time I did think that. And you can imagine my surprise at the graduation ceremony when she was honored as valedictorian of the class. As a psychology prop, I should have known better. But here I was uh, doing the human tendency to label each other. Sometimes a good athlete is pegged as a jock without regard to their other interests or their other talents. Perhaps you have been hurt by a nickname or label somebody tagged you with that did not express who you were. Another example of this labeling is the disciple of Jesus called Thomas. You've probably heard him called Doubting Thomas. In using that label, it's easy to think that we know what there is to know about Thomas. Sure, Thomas was skeptical the first time he heard that Jesus was alive after he had died. But if we look closely at our gospel story, we'll see that doubting is not the only thing to know about Thomas. It's not even the most important thing. I like to call Thomas the disciple whose doubts led him to faith. And the way he handled his doubts can be a model for our spiritual journey. Thomas has often been thought of in a different category from the other disciples. They were believers. He was a doubter. But the gospel story doesn't really support such a dichotomy. First, the disciples who told Thomas, we have seen the Lord, were reporting a personal encounter with Jesus. Thomas, in contrast, was reacting to, the, reacting to their report, which for him was secondhand. Put yourself in Thomas's place. Say, you've experienced the death of a dear friend. And after you've grieved for several days, somebody comes to you and says, she's alive, I saw her. Well, you would certainly be skeptical of that idea, because in our experience, nobody comes back after they're dead. And Thomas was not the only disciple who was skeptical about Jesus' resurrection. 
The Gospel of Luke says that some women, including Mary Magdalene, visited Jesus' tomb and were told that he had risen. Then they came to the other disciples and told them what they had been told. And those disciples did not believe women. And then Matthew's Gospel reports that when the disciples met Jesus after his resurrection, they worshipped him. And it adds, but some doubted. So getting back to today's Gospel story, the other disciples said to Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And he responded, unless I see his scars and touch them, I'm not going to believe that. In saying that, Thomas was not asking for any more than the disciples had already experienced. They had seen Jesus. That's what Thomas wanted, to see Jesus for himself. He was not all that interested in Jesus' scars. That would just be the way he would know he was the real deal. And then a week later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. That's a detail that's easy to overlook. Thomas showed up. He did not try to drown his doubts by getting lost somewhere. He came back to his faith community. Today, we might call this hanging in there with your doubts and working through them. And another thing we can easily miss is what the gospel does not say. There is no record of other disciples judging or ridiculing Thomas for his skepticism. When he came back, he was apparently still accepted as part of the group. They were patient. We could say the other disciples respected Thomas's journey. Then Jesus showed up, came right through the closed door. He didn't condemn Thomas either. He just said, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out and put it in my side. Do not believe. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. The gospel does not say that Thomas touched Jesus' scars. He didn't need to. What he wanted was to see Jesus, and here he was. Thomas just said, my Lord and my God. It was the first time on record that anyone addressed Jesus in this way. Thomas' doubts had led him to a stronger faith. And in that way, he is a model for our faith journey. I am encouraged by Thomas' example. 
and I hope you are too. I grew up in a Christian tradition where church leaders and teachers acted like they had the faith figured out. They were sure of it. And if you had questions like, uh, how could a certain thing in the Bible be true? You were discouraged from asking questions like that. I remember hearing a woman in my church say, it's a sin to doubt. I had a better experience when I went to a Christian college. And there I heard a chapel speaker say something that I found so powerful and encouraging that I still remember it more than 50 years later. He said, Christian commitment demands a relentless intellectual honesty because it concerns truth, because it concerns God, and God is offended if he is worshipped as anything less than truth. Thomas would have liked that, the honesty, the need to worship God in truth. And with that kind of encouragement, I've tried to be honest with my own doubts, as Thomas was. I've been through a lengthy process, still going on, of working through my doubts and coming to a faith that makes more sense than if I had just swallowed what I was told. And I look at Thomas as a patron, patron saint. I suspect that some of you, perhaps many, are in this type of spiritual journey that some today call faith deconstruction. Faith deconstruction. That's why in St. John's Church, we're upfront about how we're committed to Christ and we seek truth in the scriptures, but we don't pressure anybody to believe certain doctrines. We trust each person to work out your faith with God's help. And we respect the different places people are on that journey. I have spoken of doubt as a normal part of our spiritual journey that can lead to stronger faith. But that sounds simpler than it is. Often, faith and doubt are woven together. And doubt does not go away as cleanly as it seemed to do when Thomas shed his. This mixture, mixture of doubt and faith is common in people in, in Scripture. In the Bible, characters who whose faith was mixed up with doubt, range from, from A to Z. Abraham to Zechariah, with Sarah and David and Elijah and John the Baptist in between. And in our time, some of those who are recognized as saints have struggled with doubt along with their powerful faith. A woman in her 30s 
had a powerful spiritual experience in which she felt a profound call from God. She answered that call by doing amazing things for people for a long time. And she was eventually honored with a Nobel Prize. But throughout her long ministry, she wrestled with faith and was tormented by doubt. Sometimes experienced what's been called the dark night of the soul, where God seems absent and silent. She just kept doing what God called her to do, even though the doubts did not go away. But I've never heard her referred to as Doubting Teresa. Uh, much more common to hear Mother Teresa. A story like hers cautions us not to judge our own faith journey by comparing it to somebody else's. Someone who appears to have it made. A person that others may think is a spiritual giant may have struggles on the inside that we don't know about. What we can do is support one another in our journey. We can, we can accept one another as the disciples accepted Thomas, as God accepts us. We can listen well to each other and share our struggles. I don't know a way to guarantee that your faith journey will be straightforward or easy. I do think it's worth it. May your journey bring you, as it did Thomas, to know the living Christ. Amen.